Well, again, I just want to say thank you again for being here. For those that are joining online, uh, so great to have you with us. And I want to say happy Thanksgiving. We are going into that week where uh, everything kind of kicks off, which for some of you, it was the day after Halloween. It just all takes off. And, uh, but last week, I don't want to go backwards, but I'm telling you, last week we launched our big give. And right now in Carleton, at our Carleton campus, uh, they are launching that today. We had Scotty, the director of the Vine Medical Pregnancy Health Clinic, was here. If you missed that service, it's online and just the, the interview part, and uh, go check that out. I mean, it was such a powerful experience, and I've heard from so many of you. Every year, we choose uh, an organization, we choose a project to do at Christmas time, we call the Big Give. And we like to say that the biggest offering we ever take is always for somebody else. And so uh, during this time of year, we say, you know, who can we just give big to and just be a blessing to? We've bought uh, a bus for a crisis uh, daycare um, one time. We built an orphanage or a, a dream center in India one time. We've remodeled things. We've initiated ministries. And, and so this year, we are doing the Big Give, the Vine Medical Pregnancy Health Clinic. It's a powerful ministry to both women, uh, pregnant mothers, families, uh, dads, dads-to-be. It's so inclusive. It's, it's really powerful. Uh, on, your, on your seat, you're going to see a little bit more about that. On, and what we ask you to do is, we always say this, prayerfully consider. How many times have you heard me say that? <laughs> prayerfully consider, right? It's not like you got to do it. Just ask God, how do you want us to be a part of this? And you'll see in the lobby, there's two trees with ornaments on it, all custom made uh, by our own Colin Meyer. Thank you, Colin, for doing that. Uh, and uh, this is a custom ornament. Usually we have an ornament every year for you to take. And when you decide what God has put on your heart, say, hey, this is how much I feel like God is telling me to give. Take this ornament. That's going to represent that gift and put it on your tree. I was thinking, what if the first ornament on your tree represented not something about you, but about something, somebody else? It's just... It's more blessed to give than receive. And this ministry is going to be blessed. Our goal is $25,000 between last Sunday and the 24th of December. And so I just want you to consider what God would have you do and uh, be a part of that. And like I said, if you did not see that message, I really encourage you to go. Scotty is an amazing director, and she did such a marvelous job. And uh, you want to know more about this ministry. I'm telling you, it's powerful. And we're going to be coming alongside and making uh, quite an impact, I think, uh, at least 25,000, if not more. So that's always exciting. So we're going to be talking about that every week until we get to the 24th. And uh, just as God lays it on your heart, you can give by uh, the envelope and just put on the envelope, Big Give, The Vine, all that will go straight there. Online, there's a drop-down menu, and you'll see Big Give 2023. You can give there. So anyway, it's really super easy. If I haven't covered something or you still have a question, please come and talk to me, and you'll see the, the, uh, not only the trees out there, but a pack and play, because some of you are like, yeah, I like to give money, but I like to give stuff too. They collect diapers, they collect new, new, let me tell you new, not stained up like grandkids used it, now I'm going to get rid of it, no, 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 new baby stuff from uh, zero to 12 months, any kind of clothing and everything, they've got the coolest baby boutique there. Um, and anyway, so you can drop those off in that pack and play, which we will also be donating uh, to them. So 
I'm super excited about it, and I know you're going to love it. But hey, it's Thanksgiving week as we lean into this, and uh, sometimes it feels like Thanksgiving just kind of gets, you know, we just forget about it. I mean, you know, it's like Halloween, and then here comes Santa Claus. It's just like straight to the lights and everything that comes with it. But one of the things that interests me is it always says this is a season of joy, and we use terminology during this time of year that you don't do any other time of year in culture. We talk about joy within the body of Christ. We talk about joy within the church. But it's within the season, all of a sudden, everybody talks about joy. It's a word you don't use much. But it says it's a season of joy. And it's interesting, if you look into the culture, what they tell you brings joy. Always this time of year, a brand new BMW with a large red bow in your driveway brings you joy. How many would just say, that would bring me joy? I, now this year, they're electric. They're electric ones, and they're, they're, they'll bring you joy. Uh, I found something else. Unleash the season of joy with the Walmart shopping app. So I know we kind of did two different levels, BMW and then the rest of us that deal with Walmart. Um, but we're entering into this, this season, and some are just... And some just look forward to it, and I think we always want to be authentic to say, for some, this is the, one of the hardest seasons of the year. It's reminders, whether someone that's not here with you, or uh, reminders of conflict. And all the joyful imagery, for one, can bring incredible things you look forward to, and for the other, it can bring stress. You know, according to statistics, 40% of people are, said they're stress level increases during the holiday season. And it can lead to physical illness, it can lead to depression, anxiety, substance abuse, and misuse. And you go, joy, you know? And there's a whole portion of us going, wow, that does not work. Behold, isn't this one of the great lines from the Advent season? Behold, I bring you great tidings of joy, right? The angel said, and then you all start cooking turkeys, inviting the family over, and you blew it. I kind of, I kind of feel like he should have said that. But our text today is going, you say, please get to the Bible. Our text today is out of the book of Philippians, because nobody says joy and, and talks about this, like within the book of Philippians, where Paul was trying to communicate this. And this is the book in which he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And if that's not enough, he says, again, I say rejoice. You might have heard that before. And what Paul is saying is like, hey, within the context of you following Christ, joy is not something that is external in your situations or things that are around you. Joy is something that we receive in the heart from our relationship with Christ. And what's interesting is you might not have known this, but you may know this, that the context in which Paul is writing this book about rejoicing and joy comes while he is in prison. And he's telling us this, I know exactly where I am, I'm not just being a denier, I, he, he says other places, I know what my fate will most likely be, but still I have a reason for joy, is what he says. Paul says, I choose joy. Could you just choose to be joy-filled? I think that's something we need to consider today. And the situation that Paul was in his time as he's writing and he's encouraging us to be joyful, but yet he's in a difficult place and it doesn't look successful, it doesn't look accomplished, it doesn't look like a BMW in the driveway. But he says, I've seen the bad and I choose joy. 
Philippians 4, 4 through 9 is the portion we're going to be talking about today. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, but I want to read it out of the message translation. Every once in a while, the message is just kind of a fresh look at a passage of scripture. And so the same passage out of the message says this, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them, not against them. Help them to see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up at any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let the petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. I love that. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, beautiful, not ugly, things to praise, not to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into the most excellent harmonies. He's talking about a life of joy. You know, a good friend will come to you and give you perspective sometimes. I don't know if you have somebody in your life like that where you might just be like, you know, just wanting to vent a little bit. And a good friend will come and say, you know what? You have got a lot to be thankful for. And they might remind you of those things. Paul is that friend for us. Paul is that friend for us that's coming to us and saying, you know what? I know that right in the middle of all the stuff that's going on in your world, in your life, God can bring joy. In the book of Galatians, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You might remember that. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace. Joy is right in the center. It's a marker. And right before Paul wrote to the church in Galatia about the fruit of the Spirit, he's kind of challenging them. And in Galatians 4.15, he said, says this, what happened to all your joy? He'd been hearing things from out of the church. What happened to all your joy. I think that question needs to be asked to us today. What happened to our joy? What happened to the lean in to what God has, has for us? What happened? You say, well, have you, have you listened to the news lately, right? Wars and rumors of wars, right? Yeah. Craziness going everywhere. It's, it's no place to get joy by looking at our current circumstances, and sometimes, as believers in Christ, we can become kind of consumed with the atmosphere that we're in, and it can affect our joy. I love what William Barclay says. He says, a gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms. <laughs> and nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with black clothes and long faces. <laughs> a couple of years ago, <clears throat> I helped out in a fireworks tent. This is the opposite of joy. <laughs> Just kidding, but I did. I, I helped out in a fireworks tent. Somebody gave me that opportunity, and I was not coerced. I actually said, I'll help out. 
And uh, part of working uh, and, and helping in that fireworks tent is that you've got to be there 24-7 because it's full of valuable stuff. So my night to spend the night in the tent, right, right alongside the highway. It's an incredible experience. I... <laughs> and so <clears throat> I was staying all night to keep over my, keep watch over my sparks by night. <clears throat> See what I did there? <clears throat> so my daughter loaned me this air mattress. This is a great air mattress. I mean, this is deluxe. It's got one of the automatic air things, right? It's just when it just comes up, fills up by itself. Beautiful air. I was just going to be comfy. I had all my stuff there. It was going to be great. And uh, so I got it all ready. The hum of the traffic kind of kind of just made this white noise. <laughs> and pretty soon I'm sleeping. And then all of a sudden I wake up and say, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be sleeping on the ground. That wasn't part of the deal. And uh, I had to fill up the mattress again. And it was all good until the ground came up again. <laughs> And, uh, and this was like all night long. It was, it was not fun. And pretty soon I gave up. And it wasn't a pump problem. The air that kept me comfortable and separated me from that hard ground kept leaking out. And it didn't matter how much air I kept putting into that dumb thing, it was equally coming out because I had leaks. You know, it's easy to ask the question to say, you know, we need to have more joy. And it's understandable that God wants to give us joy, but, and there ought to be joy within the body of Christ, but the truth is many times, many times in my own life, even though I love Jesus and I really want to do my best to serve him, that I just don't feel joyful or feel like rejoicing. And there are some things, if, if we're not careful, that can steal your joy, or what I like to call joy suckers. So I thought I'd just address today, what are... Three things that could possibly be sucking the joy out of your life. And it wasn't until we address the things that are leaking out till we can see more joy coming in and retaining that. So just real simply, I know there's a long introduction to say that let's look at three common joy stealers that we can often face. First one I want to talk about today is unsatisfied expectations. I don't know if you've ever felt like there's just some joyless routines in your life. And there's some things in life that we just have to do. And truth be told that, you know, sometimes some of us disconnect with the way our lives are processing and going along. And it could be that maybe our expectations just haven't been met. You know, we had an expectation for what marriage was supposed to look like. And then over the years, we're disappointed in that. Or maybe you had an expectation of what your first career move would be. You had an expectation of what college life would be when we're going to be like a college student. And our expectations don't quite meet the reality that we're finding ourselves in. Maybe our kids aren't living the way they should live. Perhaps you don't have everything you want. The, you know, the whole American dream or bigger house, bigger house, nicer car, better job. Maybe your job isn't as fulfilling as you thought it would be. And I'm convinced that the spirit of disappointment with life robs the joy that is offered in the Christian life. It's not greater than, I'm not saying it's not greater than, but sometimes if we allow that, we, get, we can just let it get leaked out. And some of you, you know, maybe you've never spent the night in jail, hopefully, maybe some of you have. Maybe you never spent the night on a hard rock ground like Paul was like I experienced in my tent days, but 
Paul's like, hey, I had to learn how to live with unsatisfied expectations. Think about this. Paul was one of the greatest teachers in his profession, and he gives his life and will and work over to Christ, and then he's able to say, you know what? I had to shift things and say, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. No matter what's going on, I'm going to learn to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to learn, as our text said, to revel in him. Nothing in my circumstance is going to make God any less. And I would tell you that today. Nothing that goes on in your life right now is making God any less. He's still God. Nothing surprises him. There's nothing too hard for him. And he always has a way of bringing it about. He's the greatest, most compassionate, most giving God in the universe. And my day might be difficult, but God is still in heaven. He's still right where he's supposed to be. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 to 10. And again, reading out of the message, it says, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots of ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone confusing to confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. Some of you go, I can relate. Others, don't point. <laughs> We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. What they did to Jesus, they'll do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He lives. Unsatisfied expectations can steal your joy. And I would encourage you today, talk to Jesus about that. He's that friend he can give you perspective. I don't think you're as far from joy as you think you are. The other thing that can suck the joy out of our life is unresolved conflict. Our joy evaporates when we allow conflict between ourselves. And isn't that interesting that the season of joy, this time where all these families come together, something about that, you get all the family come together and guess what rises to the surface? Conflict. Or it's a reminder of conflict. Or someone is not there because of the conflict. And when someone else's offense against us occupies our mental space, our emotional attention, sometimes it can cloud the eyes of our heart and obscure the view of God and drains us of joy. I love what Hebrews 12, 14 to 15 says, make every effort to live at peace with all men and be holy. Without holiness, no one will ever see God. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble that defile many. Unresolved conflict is like that. It's, it's the acid reflux of your soul. Some of you have acid reflux. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but you know, what is acid reflux? Well, I'm no doctor. I'm not gonna play one on TV, but basically there's digestive juices in your stomach that come up into your esophagus and it doesn't taste good and it eats away at your esophagus. Congratulations, that's how it, it's just no good, right? It's no good. You say, man, what's eating you, man? Well, I'm eating myself from the inside out because my 
digestive juices are in the wrong place. Well, that's kind of like what happens in our soul when we let this unresolved conflict kind of cook and bake in there. In Philippians 2.2, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and purpose. If there's something between you and a brother or sister, maybe it's in your natural family, maybe it's in the church family, he's saying, man, do everything to settle it. One place Jesus said, if you're gonna give a gift at the altar and you realize, man, I've got, I've got a conflict that's unresolved, stop, leave your gift and go fix it. Well, you might say, well, I don't need them or I'm better off without that person anyway. Unforgiveness, unresolved conflict will steal joy. Now, how, how do you know if you haven't forgiven someone? Well, sometimes they say, well, I've forgiven them. I've forgiven them. And then I heard somebody say the other day, if someone walks into the room and the atmosphere changes in the room, you haven't forgiven them. If somebody's name comes up and the atmosphere in your own mind and heart changes, then you haven't forgiven them. I'm just like, whoa, wow. So to my prayer list, I start putting on my prayer list, like, God, help me to forgive them. I don't want this to be the acid reflux of my soul. I don't want this burping up when I should have joy. Hello? Am I just getting too graphic here? But we've got to talk to Jesus about it and say, God, you know, God knows. He was there. Nothing surprises God. He was there when all went down. He was there when the whole conversation happened. He was there when they came after you or whatever. He was there. And he wants joy in your life. And he wants to help you. And he doesn't want to see this steal or suck the joy out of your life. The last thing I'll talk about today is unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin will steal the joy. And this right here is per perhaps responsible for chasing more joy out of lives than any other. Why? Because guilt can gut your joy. Faster than anything else, you know, sin can send joy away very quickly. Why was Jesus so adamant about sin is a killer, sin is a destroyer, sin is a separator? Because it's exactly that. And he, he says, don't let that unresolved conflict between you and God be there. If there's something right now in your life that you know isn't what God wants, something that you know that God would say, I don't want that for you, that's sin. And maybe you don't talk about it enough. And, and you say, yeah, amen, man. It's like, we need to repent from sin. You know, the word repent means to turn and go the other direction. And some of us that are complaining about, there's just no joy in my life. When's the last time you just stood before God and said, God, I'm willing to, to do whatever it takes to give you everything I'm doing that's not right? The Bible says, any man being Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So you got to cleanse me from that stuff. And I'm going to confess everything I can think of. And you know the rest of it. And so, God, I just want to give it to you. Because I do not want that between us. David, probably one of the greatest psalm writers, song writers in the Bible, he understood, understood both sides of this. Because he hid sin in his life. And he saw the consequence of that. And so he could write in Psalm 32, 1 to 5, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man or woman whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is there is no deceit. When I kept silent, when I hid my sin, 
My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was zapped. What are you saying? The joy was sucked out of my life as in the summer heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Let me just tell you, there's nothing you've done, no matter who you've done it with, no matter how long you've done it, that God will not forgive you of that sin. Sometimes people say, well, why would I come to the church? Because I'll feel judged there. (laughs) Some of you might say, you know, every time, I I don't don't like coming to church and feel that condemnation. Sometimes, sometimes, when you come to church and you hear God's word, it's not condemnations, but it's conviction by the Holy Spirit. Hello? And if every time you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you want to run away, well, that's the natural thing that humans do. But I'm telling you, that's not going to get you any closer to God. Maybe we need to the man and woman to just face it and say, God, what do you want to take out of my life? What do I need to allow to let go? So what does Paul say the secret of joy is? How, how do we revel in God? It's turning my attention to the one who can help. That's what David did. He turned his attention to the one who could forgive his sin, not to distractions or not to things that could just mask it. Where in Psalm 103, one, he could say this, oh, my soul, bless God from head to toe. This is again in the message. I'll bless his holy name. Oh, bless my soul, bless God, and don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins, every one. He heals your diseases, every one. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty, eternal. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. (laughs) I'm gonna pray that one every day. I like that. (laughs) God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. The things we've talked about, they are joy stealers. God wants better for you. Paul says that when we actually turn things over to God, we're actually turning our worries into prayers. He said, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. The Philippians had a lot, they had a lot to worry about. They had things to worry about. Becoming a Christ follower in that culture was literally taking your life in your hands. We think that we're losing maybe some of our rights. Sometimes we think we're, we live in a red state or we want to live in a blue state or we're living in a blue state when we wish it was a red state. But I'm telling you, in these days, it was serious. But Paul tells them that turning worry into prayer leads to joy. He says you can pray about anything, big or small. It's amazing when you allow Christ, he says, to displace worry in your life. So how? It's about what we think about. And at the end of this passage that we started with, I love it, because he says, finally, brothers, you might have heard it this way, finally, brothers, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are noble. Remember that list? Whatsoever things are right. Whatever thing is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What have you learned and received and heard from me? Biblical teaching or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The human mind will always set itself 
on something, the human mind will always set itself on something. And usually it's that thing that's running your mind when you get quiet. And Paul wants to make sure that the Philippians set their minds on the right things. This right here is so important because the law of human nature is if we think about something long enough and often enough, pretty soon we can't stop thinking about it. Ever been there? It can become a loop. We can kind of get stuck. It can be like a groove in a record. Remember, a record player back in the day. It's so, it's so old, it's cool again. Right? Turntable, had a little needle. And it would get in a groove. Sometimes my mind does that. And Paul says, here's a list. You want to get stuck on something? Get stuck on this. Whatever's true. Whatever is noble. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, set your mind on those things. And I think it's not a surprise sometimes when we find ourselves lacking from joy when our mind is stuck in a groove and our life is being extracted from the very life that Christ wants to pour in. I noticed that the first of the year, a lot of times we'll do a a fast, and we'll do it again this year, 21 days of fasting and prayer. And we take something off the plate and we replace it with prayer. Something that I care about, I give it up and give it over to God. And I always find, I'm always amazed at saying, man, when I turn off the noise and just focus in on God, it's so much easier to think about what's true, what's noble, what's right, what's praiseworthy. Paul says, put into practice what you've learned from me what you heard and saw and realized. Do what the God who makes everything work together, he'll work out into the most excellent harmonies in your life, he says. So what did Paul do in front of them that he says, Remind, remember what I'm doing? Well, he's a guy in jail. He's a guy confined. He's a guy being squeezed right there in front of them that are saying, you know what? Man, I'm so joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Celebrate God right now, right where you're at. It's the Paul and Silas effect that they get beaten and thrown in a prison and it's dark and that's where they start a praise service. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Now, when I get beat, I want to lick my wounds, you know? When somebody hits me, maybe emotionally or verbally, I mean, that's a good excuse just to kind of sink in that for a while and go, man, i got a right to be mad. Paul says, man, one of the biggest lies in culture is to say, well, you need that to be happy. You need that to be happy. You need, you need the Walmart app for joy at Christmas time. You know what? If getting stuff made you happy, then people... The rich people will be the happiest, most fulfilled, joyful people. (laughs) The famous, everybody in Hollywood, they would be so happy and so joyful and so fulfilled. None of them are. Oh my, they're a mess. We say, well, if I had all that, I wouldn't be a mess. I'd like to try. (laughs) But Paul makes it clear. Joy happens when Jesus is at the center. No matter where you are. You're in the jail. You're in the hospital. You're in financial trouble. You feel squeezed. You feel unfulfilled. There's a 
there's a conflict in relationship, you're heading into a season that usually is really difficult for you, it's like, you know, right there in that, look for the joy of the Lord. Think about things that are true. Think about things that are noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. I've wrote this into my daily devotions and I kind of end all my devotions just by going over that again. That and 1 Corinthians 13. I gotta remind myself what love looks like because a lot of times I look in the mirror and it doesn't look anything like love. And so I gotta remind myself what it looks like. And sometimes every day now I remind myself what should be on my mind. Truth, nobility, rightness, purity, lovely, admirable. Filling my mind. Filling my mind with the right things to allow the joy of the Lord to exist and remain in the mattress that keeps us off the hard rock of this world that'll wear you out, that'll keep the acid from inside coming up and eating places it shouldn't eat and just say, Jesus, you are the source of my joy. I'm gonna come full circle. We started this whole day by saying, we're here for you. We're here for you. We, we wanna give ourselves over to you, the source of joy, the source of what the Christian life is about. So here we go, Thanksgiving and then Christmas, and, but it can be a different one because you can be different from the inside out. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, God, that, that we have a friend like Paul, like he did with the Galatians, just say, man, what happened to your joy? And God, I pray right now that we would look into that and we could ask ourselves some honest questions. Maybe there's something that we're disappointed about that's just keeping us from the real life that you've offered us. Maybe there's a conflict that we're allowing just to eat away at us when you want us to move on from that. Or maybe there's a sin that we've been ignoring and we keep hiding and you just want so bad to forgive us of that sin and to help us to move forward. God, I pray no matter what reason no matter what thing is extracting the joy, I pray that you'd bring it to mind right now and you'd help us. For those online, for those in the room, perhaps today you might just have a conversation with Jesus that says, Jesus, you see where I'm at. God, I want this joy. I want the joy that Paul describes. I want the thoughts that turn to the good and the right and the true Jesus, would you help me with that? Maybe your prayer might be, God, you know, I haven't been doing what I should be doing. I want to confess that sin and turn back to you. Maybe for the thousandth time, maybe for the first time. The Bible said that any man, any person that will confess their sin, God is faithful to come to you and give you the true reason to be thankful in this life, no matter what it looks like. Father, thank you for prayers that make a difference. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Wow, thank you so much. And we do pray that this week of Thanksgiving would truly be that for you. I wanna invite you to stand right now and there's a prayer wall on the left-hand side of the room and if there's anything we can do, the people there that love Jesus would love to pray with you. If there's anything we can pray with you about, don't leave today without 
allowing us to do that. We wanna be able to do that for you. Uh, we've got a change that's gonna be happening that I wanna let you know about on our church staff. And every once in a while, these things happen. And I know for our youth and our worship, they've already been made aware of this, but Pastor Colin and Pastor Emily are gonna be transitioning away from Family Life Church into another phase of their life, which is a good thing for them. And we always say this, that we care more about who you are than what you do. And sometimes when it's better for you and your own life and the life of your family to make a change, then we're gonna celebrate that and know that if God's got something better for them, he always has something good for us. He never blesses one place and hurts another. So we're gonna be transitioning in two very important areas in our church, both youth and worship. But guess what? Our trust is solid. Our trust is in God. If you have any questions about that, you can speak to Colin or Emily or, or, or myself or any member of the staff. We're, we're, we're not your normal thing like, you know, here's what we're gonna say and here's what really going, there's, there's nothing over here. It's just, we'll just be glad to tell you about that. It's just a time of transition and sometimes that happens and, and uh, we're gonna say, okay, God, you're in this and we're gonna embrace it and we're gonna see what you wanna do. So we just wanna let you know that and they're gonna be here through the end of the year and so uh, we'll be worshiping together right through the Christmas Eve Eve service and our youth uh, all-nighter or half-nighter for New Year's Eve and uh, then we're gonna say, okay, God, what do you got? So we're working on transitions right now. Would you pray with us that God would just supply and provide for these two very important areas in, in our church? So just wanted to give you a little FYI, and uh, our students have already been informed uh, on last youth night, and the worship team has already been informed. Letters have gone out. You're probably gonna receive some more communication on that, but if you have any questions, please let us know. So isn't life a joy? <laughs> it can be because we're looking in the right place. Let me, let me just say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life and not only give you peace, but I'm praying for a double bucket of joy as you live the life. God bless you as you go live the life today. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.